This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Yeah, we made it. You just talk. If they hate it, you know they're watching. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Lights, camera, action. World, welcome in to Moneyline. It is a Sunday morning. It is Moneyline. It is action on a Sunday morning because we are in studio and it's the statistician next to me. It's my partner in grind at Josh Jordan 97.5, which is where you can find him on Twitter. Josh Jordan. What's up, Jerry? Happy Sunday, my man. Hey, it's a happy Sunday. Again, we started off like we always do saying there's no football on the horizon, but there's a little bit of football. There's a little bit of hoops. There's a little bit of everything to get to, and we're going to make sure we try to get you on the right side of the action. Before that, though, we get to the man behind the glass, helping us stay in line for the next few hours, helping us with the jams and helping everything else in between. What's going on, Dell? How are you doing this morning? I'm really good. You mentioned football. Uh, my team went into Anfield and won. So I'm feeling really good. Still, still tied on points as far as the bottom spot and rele- bottom spot rele- relegation. Um, actually, the last safe spot. But now we're tied. Um, got a big win. So Sunday can't get any can't get any better really after going in there and beating Liverpool. Also have the uh, yeah, that's a big win and that's crazy. City versus Man United coming up at ten thirty. I think I'll have a little pick for you. I'm trying not to force anything today because I've been on a little hot streak. And you know how I feel about that. Eventually, the books are going to punch you back. The best guys in the world out there that are gambling at the best, highest rates, those guys are only like 55 56%, and they're making a good living. You ask a regular fan right now, hey, you think you can pick 60%? He'll say, yeah, right? That's, it's, it's, it's easy to think that, but it's not that simple. So we're going to try to lay back a little bit because I'm coming off a big win. Remember last week, Josh, I gave out my play of the month and something I never do because – I got a feeling when I use that terminology, people run and they start trying to bet stuff they shouldn't bet. So I just said it loosely, but at the same time, I said, man, I think that Roma and AC Milan is going to go over. I just don't see any way it doesn't go over. Smash it. They smashed it early. So here we are. Maybe that's why I'm feeling a little bit better, though. But let's see how you're feeling. 713-780-3776 at Moneyline975, which is where you can find us on Twitter. What's happening, Josh? What do we get to? Because I'll try to come in here in a good mood and then I get... I don't know how cursed this city is. You know, I don't know what it is. But then we get some more Astros news. <laughs> that says it all right there, doesn't it? So earlier this week, we got Framber Valdez hurting his, his ring finger on his pitching hand, basically just fielding a ground ball, the most routine of things. And so much has yeah. changed since we last spoke. So much because, you know, we were counting on Framber to, to be that ace. And, you know, he looked like that at the end of last year. We were excited about him and now – it looks bad because we know he's at least going to miss some time. Some people are speculating the entire season, which was crazy to me because a lot of people don't realize that he stayed in the game after he fractured that finger. He finished the inning. He went out and pitched some more after that, and I thought he'd be fine. And the other reason, it's his ring finger, Jerry. So, you know, you, he's a kind of a fastball, curveball kind of guy, so you don't use your ring finger a whole lot for that typically. 
And that's why he was able to stay in the game after the injury. But I think it's a deal where, you know how you see NFL receivers, they'll break their finger and pop it back in and go back in the game. You know, you see that all the time in the NFL. But, you know, with pitching, I think it's a deal where if this thing doesn't heal right, then the the finger may not operate, you know, perfectly or the way it should for the rest of his career. I think maybe that's what the concern is, that they they got it's going to require surgery and they have to get it set right. And if you don't, treat it that way it's you know you see like NFL guys where like his finger will be like going off like that yeah you know what I mean those are the guys you know to the and I'm saying like horizontally like their finger you know bends one way that happens because you don't get it fixed in the moment and then it it never goes back to normal after that so I don't know exactly what Fromber's deal is but it sounds like if if they don't get it corrected it's going to be something that's always an issue but at the same time you're like well he might be able to pitch like that but you know, he's only 27 years old, so you're thinking about your career. So they went out. They signed a new pitcher, which tells me it's Jake Odorizzi. It tells me that they don't feel great about Fromber. You That's know? exactly what that means. Yeah. So where do you go from here? Because last week we specifically tried to preview a little bit of the pitching staff, and, and look, everything has changed since yes. then. So now that we go to the table, the guy they get now, Odorizzi, he, he was injured last year three different times. Yep. So now you're banking on a guy for his 2019 All-Star, but that was the first time that he was an All-Star. Yes. So now you're banking on him to have continued success coming off a, off a continued injured year. I, I hate to be in this position, but again, this is, seems like it's the new normal, right? It's last yeah. year going into the season. It seemed like there were so many questions with the pitching staff. I guess it was some some found gold in between there with some young arms, but then – now you go into this, and it's, it's just, when does it stop? Because now we're getting Forrest Whitley. And some guy yeah. that uh, I ask, maybe the expectations were set too high. Is that what would happen? Is that where we start? Or do you think that, yes, he's young, and I don't want to be that guy writing him off yet, but to have Tommy John, or, or they're saying that that is possible, facing that he's going to be facing at that age, that's not good. That automatically adds a, a few ages, a, a few less pitches to yeah. that career to me. Yeah, and this might have been a year that you needed him, right? Because you're gonna you're gonna be without Fromber for a decent amount of time. So you maybe you were hoping you'd get some help from Forrest Whitley finally, but it doesn't look like it's going to be the case. And, and with him, it's just. It's always bad news. You know what I mean? Like he, he can't seem to catch a break. There, there was so much that the Astros were hoping for with him because he's talented. He's a, he's a big dude. He can throw about 100 miles an hour. You know, you expected big things. You held on to him and didn't trade him when you had opportunities to because you, you felt like he had value. And and now you just feel like it's never going to happen for him. And there's been a big gap that really had, I'm not going to say nothing to do with him, though, because you had, what, the Adderall? Yeah, reportedly. Yeah, it was it was some substance. Something, we, yeah. right? And then, and then you backdoor that with the um, COVID shutdown. Yeah, so he he's lost a lot of time, and then all of a sudden now Tommy John, yeah, so, it's just he's lost a lot of time. the The bar was set so high; he was supposed to be that guy coming up. Everyone believed it. I'm not saying that I necessarily did. But I, I thought I'm always that guy that's cautious. You know, I'm yeah. just thinking, man, let's hold off the horses a little bit, and then just also because I think the people that I was around that were talking him up, they were just so sure that he was that next guy. Well, I mean, he was a high draft pick that throws a hundred miles an hour. You know, like. You should be excited about a guy like that. but it, And that also tells me that it, it's not good for Forrest Whitley 
because of the Odorizzi signing, that they know that Whitley's not going to come help him out this year. Fromber looks like he's going to miss significant time. But here, it's not all doom and gloom. On the positive side, it looks like the Astros have a good starting rotation. And I know we're concerned about Odorizzi with, you know, he only he only pitched in four games last year. But the years before that, 30 starts, 32 starts, 28 starts, 33 starts, 28 starts, 31 starts. Who is this? What yeah. is he? Yeah, I mean, he started 31 games in 2014, and then he almost started 30 every single year until last year. So and he's he's 30 years old. He'll be a 31 here in a few weeks. So that's that's a good sign. And the other thing that I'm excited about is James Click, the Astros now current general manager. He used to be with the Tampa Rays. And Odorizzi used to pitch for the Rays when he was there. Connection. So he he knows him well. So he's not going out and signing this guy if he doesn't think he can help. A 30-year-old guy that's a workhorse whenever he's healthy, that's yeah. That's something that can fit into this lineup. Now, you talk about this rotation, 713-780-3776. Let me know what you guys think out there if you're listening right now. Does this sound like a contending, like something that could lead you into the playoffs and maybe deeper? Grinky, McCullers, Odorizzi, Urquidy, Javier. Yeah. Starting at the top. So with Grinky, what, uh, father time, right? Is this the year that event that he really goes off that cliff? Is it? Is it? What, do you think that you get? I'm not going to say a full season because it is a long season. I don't know if if we can just go out and say expect that. But how many games do you expect that a Grinky then to consider it successful for him coming out leading as the 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 ace? I think I think he's going to be solid but not spectacular. You know, last year his his ERA was right around four. I think it's going to be somewhere around it this year. So I think the problem is, is you're going to rely on Grinky to be your number one or number two, but I think he's kind of more of a number three these days. Exactly, and it was good when we were deep. Yes. When we had that deep and then you, you got to Grinky and you forget sometimes, like, wow, this is this is a luxury, right? But then now let's go to the two guy, McCullers. And he when he has his stuff, it's great. But then he, he'll throw you five good innings and then that one bad inning, and, and last year they were – that inning was real bad, and I was listening to the bench actually with you guys this week, and, and I heard um, Lance actually breaking down his numbers, and once he started saying, like, this is like, this guy's mediocre. Like, w- when has he been spectacular? What do you think, Dale? Like, does this does this rotation scream, yeah, they're, they're good, or are we just hoping for a prayer here? You're hoping that what you've seen from previous quote-unquote mediocre peak Pitchers. When Garrett Cole came here, what was he? He was oh okay, yeah, that's nice. He's got some. He's got some tools, and we'll see. And he becomes an Astro. And now he's one of the highest paid players in all the game. That's what you're hoping. I don't know if you want Odorisi to be that. Of course, if he was that great, great. You deal with the consequences of paying him later. But you're hoping for that type of uh, improvement because we've seen guys come here and they have that. You trust your trust your guys, trust your trust your system, and you hope Odorisi is the next in that line. But yes, there's some hope involved. It's not a solid, okay, clearly this is the missing piece to a rotation that's now solidified for another deep playoff run. Yeah, I'm with you. And the thing with McCullers is it's his splits. His ERA's in the twos at Minute Maid. But on the road, it's like five. You know, that's crazy because Minute Maid is not some great pitcher's ballpark. No, you know what I mean? It's the opposite. Yeah, so it's just for some reason McCullers pitches a lot better at home. So that's a concern. And with Odorizzi, we talk about, you know, Brent Strom and working his magic, you know, that Dell's bringing up with these these pitchers. He's a guy, his fastball sits around 92 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So he's not the Charlie Morton, 
you know, Garrett Cole, Verlander that, you know, that's touching, even McCullers that's touching 96, 97 consistently. That's, you know, he's not like Grinky, but he's not, you know, a flamethrower. And then we get to the bottom of the lineup so we could close this out. Urquidy and Javier, how do you feel about those two? I love Javier. Man. I think he is the real deal. I have really high hopes for him. Like, if I was setting up their rotation, I'd have him, like, third. That's how much I believe in this guy. And that's one of the guys that I, when I, when I say they hit gold on some guys, that's one of those arms that now, though, there's another year, though. We talked about this before the show. Now yeah. there's another year. Now teams kind of got a little bit of tape on him. Yep. Now, now you know a little bit of what he brings. Maybe he takes a step back. Hopefully he takes a step forward. But now you're asking for a lot of progression quick because, again, he, w- he was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, he's going to be counted on this year. That They need him. So, But, hey, at least that's, that's a positive thing. A young guy that throws hard, that, that, that has some good breaking stuff. That it, The other thing I love about these guys now, Jerry, they're battle-tested. These guys have pitched in the ALCS. You know, these are big, high-leverage playoff games that they played in last year. So I, I don't think they're going to be scared by any kind of moment. Yeah, I don't think they will either. Now, something that scares me is just transition for this next segment. We're going to get into, because every week, man, we try to, we, we, we have the, our, own, our own problems in town with Watson, right? Mm-hmm. But then w- whenever the Wilson news first came along, man, I thought this is just, this is ludicrous. This is just someone talking more than they should. And then all of a sudden it came out that little list of teams. And now it's starting to single out one specific team. And when we get back here on Moneyline, we'll talk about that team. And is it even possible to Moneyline ESPN 97.5. Who's this? Hey, this is Trey Wingo. You're listening to ESPN 97.5 Houston. Hello. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bow and Josh Jordan. Welcome back. Shout out to everyone hanging out on Twitch this morning. Crystal, that's the queen of the day because she was first. That's what we're going to do now. Whoever's first wins today. Followed by Titan Hugo and a lot of people. So shout out to Chuck D, Evo Hojo's in the house, Texas Trojan, Donna. Donna goes out and says, did I miss something? Is Verlander not coming back this season? So let's start right there. Kind of pick up off what we uh, talked about a little bit about the rotation last segment. This is Moneyline 713-780-3776. What do we think about Verlander at this point? Because, okay, so this is the last year that you have him on contract. Yep. Now it's Tommy John. Now it's an older guy. If the te- uh, the uh, Texans, I was about to say, the Astros aren't competitive, do you bring him back saying, hey, I don't even know if he's going to be here next year regardless uh, because baseball is kind of hard to pull the plug. We've seen these teams like the Nationals make their runs late, so when do you pull the plug on the season, to be honest? But do you bring him back if the season's just going bad? Or do you say if, if you've made some kind of agreement with him that he will come back next year, do you just say, hey, at this age, I'd just rather take one full year of him next year. And the same thing with Fromber. At what point do you say, I'd rather have a full year of these guys next year. There's no use to press the gas right now, especially with the rotation that we just named. And I know there's – remember, there's going to be a longer season. It's, it's back. 
So yep. it's not like last season. And last season in the short shortened season, you dealt with injuries. So there's going to be injuries. So there's going to be moving pieces. What do you think? I think they're in it to win it this year. Or they wouldn't have paid Michael Brantley that money to bring him back. So I, I and, and I, I don't think they signed Oda Rizzi to this. They're paying him a lot of money. It looks like $30 million at least for a couple of years. And then I think a third-year player option. All the details are not final. But... That that tells me that they're looking to win now. They're in win-now mode. And with Verlander, I think it's going to be up to him. Because if you're Verlander and, you know, Tommy John surgeries can kind of fluctuate on, on when you're able to come back. But just say, you know, for example, what if he's if the Astros are in the playoffs and he feels like he's ready to pitch? Verlander's going to be looking for another contract, right? So if you go out and show the world that that you're back, that you're recovered, and you pitch in the playoffs for the Astros, then all of a sudden your value goes way up, right? But if he doesn't come back and pitch at the end of the year, then it's kind of an unknown. And you know he'll be looking for a new contract with teams not knowing if he's fully recovered from the Tommy John or not. So he might have an incentive to try and get back out there at the, you know, at the very end of the season if he's ready to try and show people he's back. And, and I, that'll be up to Justin, I assume. And going to that narrative that to show people that he's back, does he have to show the Astros that he's warranted maybe coming back next season, something out of this? Because if, say, he comes back and it's not a, biggest, a big enough sample size and it's mediocre for, for his standards because, I mean, what do you expect from him, from him, honestly? So what if the window's really small and it's not that great, it's just mediocre? What do you do next season? Because he, he still costs money. He does. You know, you would have to re-sign him because this is the last year of his deal. Obviously, you're not going to be paying him $30 million a year. I mean, just think about this. You'll be looking at him for next year, which would mean he'd be 39 years old coming off a of Tommy John surgery. That's that's a risky proposition right there. 39 coming off major elbow surgery. And then what do you do with Greenkey going forward after this? Because another old guy that I don't see him extending after this is all said and done as well. So the, all those... All those young arms that you're expecting on the bottom of the rotation, hopefully it works out in a perfect world. In a perfect world, it kind of just rotates like a clock. And McCullers' contract is up after this year. And going back, yeah. to, going back to what, like I said, I was listening to the bench some and listening to those stats, and it was like, at this point, he's been nothing other than a mediocre guy, really, other than a, a one maybe one season where he kind of broke out more, but then when you do the splits, it, he's he's mediocre. So then now what are you going to pay him? And he says all the right things, like, yeah, he wants to be here and, and whatnot, and, but uh, I don't know if that's the, the route you take. But then again, do you want to have a rotation of just nothing but young guys? And that's the thing. You know, I think that's why they grabbed Oda Rizzi, you know, middle-of-the-rotation guy that steady. Hopefully he's solid for you. But with, with McCullers, and I like Lance personally, and his upside's amazing. He has nasty stuff when he's right. But, you know, he's he's dealt with some injuries. And we talked about his splits. He doesn't pitch very well on the road. So consistency's a big deal in baseball, you know, and you just don't know what you're going to get from him from start to start. I'll tell you what else is a big deal, the salary cap. Yeah. And at 210, yeah, they don't want to be at that luxury tax. They're not right. To do the that. luxury tax. Yeah. So nine point three is the wiggle room they have. But then they're saying that some some reports are saying that there's there's not really a a, a concrete number on the way that this season's going to be or this contract for Odorizzi is going to break down two years with the option on the third. But then there's nine point three to work with. But you've seen other reports that say a little bit different. 
yeah, they, they might have a way where they can kind of juggle the numbers, you know, and get creative with bonuses and stuff like that to where they, they're able to avoid that. That's what John Heyman tweeted out. Tweeted out. So we'll see. But I mean, until we see the final numbers on the contracts, we're not going to know. But I thought you brought up a great point before the show. If they're going to do a deal with Correa, he wants it to happen before the season starts. <laughs> How's that going to? Where's that nine point three getting broken up? Yeah, so that that's something that maybe that's a sign to us that, that they're going to wait this thing out and let Correa prove it over the course of a season. Go ahead and you prove it to us seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. If you want to talk anything Astros, anything that we've touched on as far as the pitchers, what's your outlook? Phone lines are open for you. Also hit us up on the text line. Let's switch gears a little bit. We teased it. To go out of the first segment, Russell Wilson, he narrowed down his teams supposedly, right? I mean, I guess it was, it was we say coach speak, it was maybe agent talk, but I think there was some truth to it. But for whatever reason, now the Bears are saying that they're all in. Yeah. And they're making it, they're making it known that we're going to pursue him and we're going to go after him. And then I start looking at their roster and I start saying, well, for this to happen, what pieces are going to be thrown in there? And then off, right off the top of my head, Khalil Mack pops into the conversation and players like that. The Bears would have to make numerous moves because they have a few players that command a, quite a big few contracts on that. On that end. But then at the same time, they know they don't believe in their quarterback position. But to me, it goes to with what the Watson scenario is. If he's leaving here because he's unhappy because of the team's performance, leading also from the in-house stuff, what's different from Russell? Because we've heard that he's maybe got a little bit, there's maybe a the little bit of beef in-house, one. Uh, the success not being there, two, match, match from Watson. And then now you're going to throw him to the Bears as to Watson throwing him to the Jets. So what changes for these guys? What are they really after? I'm, I'm not sure. I just think they want to get the hell away from where they are. Yeah, It, it sounds personal. You know, in Russ's case, he'd, he doesn't like Pete Carroll anymore or his, or his sons. sons that coach there. <laughs> wow, that sounds familiar, right? Somebody's son that doesn't get along with the quarterback. Oh, Cal McNair. That, that was Mr. McNair's son that is making Deshaun want to leave Houston. It, it, these are personal things. And we don't know how bad it is, but you know, I think everybody's had a job or a boss that they didn't really get along with, and it made going to, going to work every day hell. So you know, maybe it's something like that for these guys, but... I don't know. I, you know, you talked about Khalil Mack. Like, if if they did a, a pre June first trade, that would trigger a cap charge of twenty one point four million dollars. You know, so that that's what's tricky too. And you know, I, I heard Lance on the bench, our morning show, talking to to John earlier in the week, and the amount of dead cap money that's going to be involved if they trade these guys. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's a crazy amount of money. I mean, it, it's going to cost the Texans like $20 million or something of dead cap money if they if they trade Deshaun before June 1st, which is when you would expect them to do it because you would want draft picks for this draft, right? But the, the dead cap money goes down significantly if they wait till after June 1st. So they're kind of in a tricky situation. So we always talk about the bars for these quarterbacks, the elite ones or the ones in the next tier to them especially whenever contracts were getting broken out leading up to Watson's contract. Before that, we would always say, okay, what's the tier? Well, well, Wilson was paid, so then we'll set it there. And then Mahomes came over and set that bar, so we kind of knew everything in between. And then that's when we, when Prescott was asking for his, we said, okay, you don't fall in between where you're asking. We know that. So then now when you ask on this scenario as far as trade equity, 
and trade values and, and what he's worth, if we were talking about Watson being worth X amount and we were talking about crazy things, numbers, I'm talking about multiple first-rounders, you're going to have to give up your firstborn child. What is Wilson command? A little older, but a little bit more proven. What does he command? He's got good hair, too. <laughs> he does, and he's married to a celebrity. That doesn't hurt. I think he'll get a little bit less than Deshaun just because of his age. No other reason. But it's going to be in the same ballpark. At least he's a Super Bowl champion. Because if you're looking at the Bears, you start looking at that defense. If you're someone if you're someone that, that's making that trade and you say, okay, well, let's start with that defense. I'm for sure taking Mac. Then you look at, what, Akeem Nix? You look at Robert Quinn, Kyle Fuller? You start taking uh, – so then it leads me back to that original question – if you start taking all those pieces out of the only thing the Bears had good was the defense at, at points, the defensive line to be particular, the linebacker, once you take that out to get Wilson, that team's even worse than what they were. Yeah. Now you still have to make sure you secure the bag with Allen Robinson. So at that point, you're having to tag him probably. You're, not, you're, you're probably going to have to tag him. So then, it, to me, it's a mess. He's putting himself in, in, what, in what better of a spot especially at that age, does that make him that much closer to winning? I don't think so. I mean, you still got Aaron Rodgers in that division. And I'm looking at the Bears right now. They only have $4 million in cap space. <laughs> Four. And to take on Russ's contract, you know, that's, that, a- that, that, you know, that's going to be, you know, to your point, you know, if they can get Khalil Mack in the deal and maybe the money offsets a little better. and But, you know, there's these these cap penalties for these trades that, a lot of these quarterbacks aren't thinking about. They're just like, hey, I want out. And we're like, uh, dude, you will crush us. I mean, right now, if the Texans traded Watson today, it would be a $21.6 million in de- dead cap money. I mean, that's that's a crazy amount. If they just kept him and didn't do anything with him and he sat out, or not say sat out, but just say they kept him, he'd only be under $16 million against the cap. If they trade Deshaun after June 1st, it would only be a $5.4 million cap hit. So, all these quarterbacks, I get that you want out, but there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of stuff that, that has to be accounted for. Let me ask you guys this question, and I'm curious. Let's just per se that the Texans were going to deal to the Bears also and that the Texans were going to get four first-rounders. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, first three first-rounders in Khalil. Let's say four. Four first-rounders in Khalil Mack, just, just throwing it out there. Let's say that deal was off the table and Russell Wilson went to the Bears. What do you think that he is worth? If if Watson was four first and Khalil, how much of a how much less do you give for someone like Wilson? What do you think, Dell? I would say like three first. If, if, a, if Watson gets four, I would say three for Russ, just out of pure age. That, that, that's just a little bit step back. Yeah, just a little bit because his career, in theory, would not be as long as Deshaun's. I was looking up uh, when Russ's deal. Um, expires because something you consider now his deal is done in 23 so you'd have three years of russ russell wilson and outside of the first year in 21 um he's making night base salary 19 cap hit is 32 then it's 37 then it's 40 older player i would probably give probably probably looking for three first or two first and an established star yeah. player and a star player you have under you'd have under contract for at least as long as Russ would be here. Yeah. And and if I'm the Texans, 
I don't know if I want a player that's already established and is at their prime or maybe past it because this team isn't going to be good anytime soon. So, you know, I want all my draft picks and all my cap room to all happen at the same time. You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. If you're not going to be good, are you, why are you acquiring 33-year-old Russell Westbrook? Right. I mean, right. Russell Wilson, excuse me. Yeah. And I think the Bears are in a different place than the Texans. They at least have a defense. The Texans are awful on defense. I think teams are going to have to start being more careful going forward as, as it's real easy to make a deal that's team-friendly, like, all right, let's sign a an extended deal with this with this quarterback, and then it'll be back-ended to help us out in these years. And then that quarterback doesn't make it the entire contract. Well, someone's got to pay those years. And if you do it with an aging guy and, and it progressively gets bigger towards the end, knowing that that's probably when it maybe drops off in, in production, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the case with Russ, but I'm just saying overall – it's somebody else's problem to deal with at that point. You see, you're seeing this problem. Make a bad quarterback deal. Well, golf the situation, for example. Well, let's find someone else. Let's find someone else to deal with that situation. So I think that that's going to be a little bit more careful because you're seeing that right now. It's it's the language in the contract nowadays. Uh, salary cap is such a weird thing to play with nowadays because you're like, how in the hell did they pull that off? I know they didn't have the money to, and then it's like, yeah, he he won't. He's on the Bobby Bonilla deal. He's mm-hmm. getting pay, he's getting, his kids are going to get that deal. You're thinking. How in the world did they pull that off? So again, it's 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 the language and things, but the language that I read here is if they want to win, that's what Russ says it's about. Then going to the Bears, I don't think that that's about winning. And then this week we're hearing again that I heard uh, John McClain come out and say that no other teams really on even on the table other than the Jets. So if that's the case, then same thing goes for you, Watson. Is it about the lights? Is it about the the things that could come, the sponsorships that come with being in that big city? Maybe it's a little bit of that. And they have a lot of cap room. They may have to give up a lot of draft capital to get Deshaun, but at least they have cap space. They can go get some guys in free agency. We have about an hour and 20 minutes. I'll have one basketball play for you guys, and then a little bit of live betting advice, a little bit of everything here on Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776. It's Josh Jordan. It's Dell. It's Jerry Bonos with a Z. We're in here uh, talking a little bit of everything, a little bit of Astros. Transition to, I guess, this Russell Wilson talk that it's heating up. And then now let's transition to something totally off the grid. I guess the way we loosen things up is a little poop talk, right? And Devin Booker says he's seen a bunch of guys in the NBA uh, poop themselves during during games, which am I? At which point I, uh, being here from Houston, first thing that comes to to image is that one time that Harden had had his shorts were a little. I don't know if it was soiled. I don't know if he went outside and sat for a picture somewhere, but something wasn't right. <laughs> so then it kind of started making me thinking. Maybe I overthought this. Maybe the the drinks were were thinking for me, but. Basketball's got to be one of the worst sports to 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 have that 
that accident in, right? Because the loose shorts, I mean, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, I mean, you have your, your drawers under or whatnot, but it just seems... Football, maybe it's more contained. We saw we saw Lamar Jackson make a sprint to the finish. Yeah. Um, and what we don't know what happened. We don't know what transpired. But what do you guys think is the worst? Soccer? Soccer, those shorts are a little <laughs> a little loose. That's that doesn't seem the sport that I would want to take the that chance in, but this isn't the first time. And he's saying he's saying it's multiple times. And we've heard the Paul Pierce story where now we kind of heard what happened when he left the court and he came back. The wheelchair story. Um, maybe that was a poop incident that that could have happened. <laughs> What do you think is the worst sport? Man, I, I'm with you that like maybe soccer or basketball because you're just wearing those you know baggy shorts. Maybe you're wearing like some kind of you know like bicycle shorts kind of support underneath. You know, like like baseball players wear sliding shorts. So maybe they have something on underneath the baggy shorts to kind of contain things. But if not, man, that could be rough. But we see it in the NFL all the time. I mean, we see guys literally peeing on the sidelines. We, you know what I mean? Like they're stuffing towels in the guy's pants, and they're they're just they're going at it. Which I've always wondered, like, why not have like a a porto potty in like one of those little tents? So you know what I mean? To where you could go in there and use the bathroom. I, I've never understood. It's a struggle though with pads on. I mean, imagine sitting down on the toilet with with a full thing of pads on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Imagine, imagine just, and I don't even want to get too much in detail <laughs> on a Sunday morning, but imagine having a, to to help yourself during this situation. It doesn't sound like something that. It's just tough. At that point, you just say, I just, I've gone too far. I just got to let it go. I got to let it rip. I guess that's why we see the guy sprinting to the locker room at halftime, right? Like, like they're I've in a hurry. Ho- to get, yeah. Please don't get the ball back. If you're on offense, yeah. you're on the defense, or, or you're all, you know, the, the opposite of unit is on, and you're thinking, hey, just, 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 just in the half, in the half. But, man, it's just funny to hear him say that Devin Booker's been on, on record. Uh, on, on a few various topics, remember he talked about the uh, the groupies and and whatnot, and he even gave details about them coming to uh, the facilities of the of the Suns and and I gave uh, using their services on even on assistant coaches. <laughs> so I guess he's a little outspoken. I just I just found it funny. And then on that same article, I read uh, uh, uh Harden was was one of the examples on there. Yeah, I, I remember that when that hit social media and everybody <laughs> thought that was the case. Maybe it was. I don't know, but. Man, that's got to be embarrassing. I mean, you're on television. NBA, though, sticking with that, uh, the commissioner comes out and says he sends a season desist, desist order to party promoters in Atlanta before the All-Star game. You know those NBA players, they first off, they didn't even want to be there. Yeah. Let's go ahead and be real. They've already been on record, most of them saying they didn't want to. So if you if they do have to show up, I think out of the partying group of of, of professional athletes to the three major sports i think that nba players get down you know they're there you see them running a little bit more wild and i could have seen this turning out bad so then the commissioner says i'm going to take a step i'm going to go a step ahead and 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 there's not going to be anything to to basically make sure that nothing happens this weekend like that's going to stop harden i mean come on man <laughs> we know how james harden does it he's going to go out and have a good time you uh, an NBA All-Star Weekend kind of guy? Not even just the, the game itself, but the events at all? Do you all watch anything? Are you still did, did, uh, growing up, the slum, slam dunk contest was a big deal. And then kind of it got kind of played out. At one point, you start saying, they got to run out of dunks, right? They got to, yeah. I mean, you start throwing props out there. You start jumping over Kias. <laughs> do you guys watch the All-Star game at all? Do you watch it, uh, Dell? When I was a kid, it was the thing. It was the clearly the best entertainment value for those type of games but now it's like oh it's here okay i guess i'll flip it on but 
There's so many options. As a kid, I didn't have cable, so I was watching it on the Sunday afternoon. Because it was a Sunday afternoon at that time. Now it's a Sunday night thing, I think. Um, now, oh, didn't see this on Netflix. I'll just mm-hmm. flip to that. I don't have to watch it now. And then now they keep on changing the scoring rules. You see the 24-point rule now for in, in honor of Kobe. So basically, the first three quarters, that's one thing, one game. And then at the end of the, four, uh, the third quarter, say it's 100 to 95. The team with, that's in the lead, you just add 24 points to there. So the fourth quarter's played with no time clock. There's no clock. And then whoever gets to that game. So say it's 195. Now this game to, to win, whoever gets to 124 first wins the game. I don't, I don't even know what yeah, that is. Yeah, it's called the – I think it's called the Elam rule. Now they picked a number because of Kobe. But it's a rule um, to try to make it where uh, there's more desperation, I guess. And, and – and I guess if you're a team who's down by 20, the clock doesn't mean anything. If you go on a run and you go you go on a 25-10 run and now you're all of a sudden in the game, milking the clock means nothing because you still have a shot to t- take over. So I, that's what it's about, make it more competitive. And then, like you said, they use the number 24 because of Kobe. Yeah, I, I'm good. <laughs> if you have to go through that much trouble to make me care. Like, what are we doing here? What happened to the old school games? But hopefully, hey, we can give you some winners here. It's an hour and 10 minutes. We're about to hit the last segment of the first hour. Hopefully, we close strong. It's Monday Line, ESPN 97.5. ESPN. Listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back. Safe to say that the Twitch line is not a fan of the NBA All-Star Game or the weekend. Some were saying that they'd rather watch MLB Spring Training than the All-Star Game from Texas Trojan. And Josh quickly agreed. Yeah. That's how bad it's gotten. I think that there's a few levels to this. Growing up, just I guess the players that were involved, Josh mentioned Dominique Wilkins coming out and doing some things. Um, Also, just, again, I think that all these added narratives, it goes to show you that they knew that it was getting boring. It was was nothing going on that that, that enticed you other than to what else is on. That's what another guy here says, well, what else is on today to watch at that time? Yeah, I'm with Dell. I'll be looking at Netflix and <laughs> seeing seeing what my options are. I think you brought up a great point, Jerry. When the guy does the dunk like six times in a row because he can't get it right the first time, even when he pulls it off, you're just like, "Yay, I guess." You know, like it takes all the excitement away. I I don't want to see that. That it needs to not be live. If if that's what you're going to do cuz then you can cut out all the times he messed up the dunk and just show it when he when he got it right, it takes the flavor out of it. Definitely yeah. takes the flavor out of it when they go up there, and then and then you get to see it, and you're like, man, you you better have a plan B, C, D, and E, and you're thinking that was his best dunk, so he's got to make it go in. Yeah, and then the reaction from the crowd after like miss five or six, and then everyone's getting impatient, and then he makes it, and everyone goes crazy, and, and it's it's just I don't like it. And then we've seen some bad scoring go down. It's 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 too much in in the in just random people's hands. I mean, I'm I'm out there betting, and I'm probably find myself betting today. Obi Toppin, <laughs> Obi. He's gonna win that today. But either way, I just it's just I see a lot of people aren't fans, but we also go to the point that growing up, it was the best dunkers in the game wanted that. Yeah. They, it was a it was a pride to go out there and win that. Now it's it seems like you don't get necessarily the best dunkers in the game. You know that 
some of the guys that are considered some of the best dunkers and you don't see them, I think that also takes a little bit of the edge off. It does. And, you know, you need to have a few drinks to even make that exciting to watch. And a lot of it's because you're like, I don't even know who this guy is. You know, some of the guys in the dunk contest, you know, it's not the, the stars of the game that typically participate anymore. And speaking of taking the edge off and needing a few drinks to make things a little more fun and to watch, I have an article here on the booziest baseball fans. So they ranked all the baseball teams in MLB, and they they ranked it by, like, who drinks the most. And the categories are average drinks per game per person and then average money spent on alcohol. And care to guess where the Astros came out in this? Do you think they were they drank more than most of the other fans, or do you think they drank less than most of the other fans? Those Crawfords... Those beers are stout. They are. They might they might catch up to you. So I I would think though that you, we drink a lot as far as money brought in, but I don't know is is does it go by money brought in or is it by amount of beers? They have both. So they have the average drinks per game, and it ranges from that the high end is four point two average drinks per game is the high end, and the low end is two point eight drinks per game. And for the money, the average person spends forty six dollars on alcohol on the high end and then on the the lowest of the list is, is about 28 27 bucks astros so, top 10 for sure right they're not it surprised me they are actually towards the bottom of the list what are you doing astros fan an average astro fan drinks 2.8 alcoholic beverages per game don't tell the police that. i, I they'll know they like, give you five to ten two Two point eight will give you five to ten i mean that's i mean you know almost three beers per game for an astros fan and now I'll tell you what, if you're drinking some St. Arnold's art car, you're, you're feeling you're pretty good after, you, after three to... of those bad boys because the, the alcohol per volume in those is pretty high. And it's, it's a good beer, by the way. I, I love art car. But the high end. Let's be real, though. 2.8. So that's saying three. About, yeah, about three beers a game on average for Minus Astro the suds. Fans. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I guess they're the, you know, the. The, the cups, they fill them up, they're draft. So it may be more than like 12 ounces that you would get in a can. But so that's that's where the Astros are. They're about fourth to last. The The team that actually drinks the most is the Chicago White Sox fans. They average 4.2 drinks per game and about $50 spent on alcohol per game. Would you have had them that high? I, I mean, it's Chicago. You know, I, I could... You know, I get a feeling that you know Chicago people like to party. That doesn't surprise me, but I didn't think the Astros would be so low on the list. That- I'll tell you who likes to party. Crystal, she says three hours, I can drink 10 or 11, and I drink Bud Light Platinum. You're well, fighting. She is, but how much money do you have? I mean, there's like $10 a beer. <laughs> you just <laughs> you know? throw your stimulus out there yeah. like, hey, just run me a tab. Yeah, I mean – and then if, if you're getting a hot dog or anything like that, like that is some serious money. Chuck so, drinks 2.8 an hour, not a game. <laughs> and those are, they are long games. What's the hot dog drink cha- and drinking challenge? What is it? One beer and inning? What is it? Is it in beer and inning? Yeah, I think it's like a beer and a hot dog and inning. Is or that hard? Like that? Or is it or am I tripping? Because uh, do I seem out of control whenever I think I can do that? Maybe the hot dog gets uh, tough at one point, but the beer? Nine hot dogs. That's the, the, the nine beers, no problem. But nine hot dogs? I don't know if I'm going there. That, that's a lot. Four. Yeah. I think four is the cutoff. I've eaten four before. I yeah. Five. I, I could probably pull that off, but, man, you're probably not feeling good, though, with, if you're having, like, nine draft beers with nine hot dogs. <laughs> like, that, that day is not going to go very well for you. But, 
you know, it was interesting. The, the, the one that surprised me on this list, the fans that drank the least, Philadelphia Philly fans. 2.4 beers per game. You would think Philly would come to party, man. Polly out there just had yeah. a heart attack. Yeah. She said, nah, I'll be damned. Yeah, she's embarrassed. She's like, and I helped this point <laughs> eight. You know, I boosted the I've been helping boost numbers since since 2016. Yeah. I, the, the top was the, the White Sox came in first at 4.2, and the Atlanta Brave fans came in second at four beers per four drinks per game. So Chicago, Atlanta, and then Cincinnati was in third. They're representing. Fowler here. Get ready. So Anyway, I was I just thought it was an interesting list. I, come on Astros fans, we got to do a little better. 2.8. We need to up that a little bit. Well, let me ask you this, now that the mask mandate is about to be a thing of the past, Astros fans opening day, right? I would think so. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm saying that Jim Crane's out there spending money. You're Astros owner, so help him out. Buy an extra beer every now and then. Who's going to stop him? I mean, I think Astros I saw a bunch of people right away to post it. I didn't even that wasn't even one of the first things I even thought of. You know, I was thinking, that was one of the last things that I was thinking of. Yeah. All of a sudden, you could go to Astros game. But I saw the Astros fans come out and saying, I'll be there. I saw Dr. Dre actually said, hey, I'm going to be in the house. I know he's a season ticket holder. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if the team goes by the new mandate of law. You know what I mean? If they actually open it all the way up, anybody can come. No social distancing. If they run it that way, or if there's some restrictions, I, I don't. I haven't seen anything on that. I'm sure every team is gonna, you know, kind of work this out and put a plan together. Philly fans are cheap. They're soft. From Dr. Dre, Philly fans are meth heads. That's why they don't drink. <laughs> also coming from Chuck T. This is Moneyline ESPN 97.5. <laughs> ESPN 97.5.